Hello, hello. So today is a very quality rambling video uh, where the idea just, it was last minute and I thought, you know what, you know what, I'm just going to make an episode and, and film it and just see how it goes. And uh, so you can tell that if I <laughs> have at one point just 10 thoughts all at once and uh, just yeah, it, it happened. Anyway, so this idea where we talk about relevance and we talk about just-in-case versus on-demand learning, that is something that I also wrote about. So I've been doing a daily blog post or near near daily, uh, maybe like once every two, three, four week. <laughs> anyway, so I did that. And if you want to check that out, that is on itsjoyang.com. And you know what? Let's just jump straight into it. So this is more a very spontaneous episode because I recently discovered this educator, real badass educator called Ana Lorena Fabrega from Panama, I believe. And her values, her beliefs about education, about how um, education should really be structured towards students and how to benefit them is so aligned with what this podcast is all about. And I basically just binged her content and listen to this podcast episode where she introduced this concept. In school, we learn just in case. Um, And in real life, we learn on demand. So of course, when I heard this about her talking about just in case learning, I was like, I've seen this everywhere. I am a product of that myself, where you see a lot of students learn stuff that isn't relevant to them, that they can, you know, potentially use in the future. But a lot of the time, and as we know with memory, and I I would actually love to make an episode about, you know, dedicated to memory. So I think I will do that. Where the idea of memory and consolidation, converting short-term into long-term memory, depends on something that is actually meaningful to you which usually means that you can apply it into your life. And because a lot of the stuff, at least from my experience, learning about facts and information that I couldn't relate back into my own life, like really fun trivia facts like in geography or history or or maths even, or actually a lot of maths, <laughs> I just couldn't really conceptualize how to put it into my life apart from ratios. I just... I I think it just is a waste of time, honestly, a lot of the time where we learn about things but can't apply. So what's the point? We end up forgetting about it. We end up remembering maybe a few years later when someone brings it up and you go, hang on, I I think I did that. (laughs) But that's it. That's all you can recollect is the fact that you might have learned it in school, which if that is the end result of hours upon hours of learning a concept, it just really speaks to me like it's a waste of time that instead we really should be or could be learning stuff that we can apply right here, right now that is relevant and personalized to us and and go with that and then introduce concepts and theories you know, that would otherwise be just completely irrelevant, but trying to link them back into your into the current day. If that sounds very like wishy-washy, no worries, no stress, because it is. I am very wishy-washy as a person. So, for example, let me just think of something. Six hours later. So I, I really like to use the example of Pokemon just because that is something that I was viscerally 
viscerally engaged in as a kid and it, it basically consumed my whole childhood. It was a great childhood, I swear. And it included a lot of stuff in Pokemon, included things like elements, like fire, water, grass type, all these different types of Pokemon. And also I was just thinking if I was able to combine that into my schoolwork, how more engaging that would have been for me at that time. So you could even talk to me about chemistry. You could talk to me about biology. So as I'm editing this right now, I just had the thought of, say, chemistry. In Pokemon, there's such thing as things being super effective. So say if you're an electric type Pokemon, your moves are actually more effective and will do more damage to a water Pokemon. And I was thinking that would be absolutely superb if you could talk about that in terms of chemistry. And to talk about conductivity with electricity and water, why it's really dangerous to have electricity near water. Uh, but not just that, there's also uh, water type and fire type. So water is obviously super effective against fire and also dark against psychic, which that last one, um, maybe, <laughs> maybe someone else can explain that one. You could talk to me about, about biology, about the evolution of Pokemon. So, for example, let's just ch choose a random Pokemon. Let's choose Marchop. And Marchop is the first evolution and then becomes Marchamp and then Marchoke. Great evolution. <laughs> this is real muscly. So if I were to combine that with biology, so say how do we expand, if we were to compare Pokemon to humans, how would we technically grow? Uh, and, and to just use more concepts that I was interested at the time, so then I could at least see validity in what I was learning. And not just that, more just the, uh, the use of potions. So for all you non-Pokemon connoisseurs, and don't worry, there's absolutely no judgment there, potions are there to replenish HP or health in the Pokemon. And there's also such things as antidotes. So if your Pokemon's poisoned, you can give them an antidote and it will heal them. There's also such things as berries. And it's just, there's such a big blend of things like medicine, like nutrition, and so many learning opportunities just from this. You could talk more about chemistry in that way, how you can combine different things or eat something and how that can create a difference in your body. Just, I'm just literally pulling things out of my butt right now, but already just from that, there's a lot of stuff that you can work with. And that's just one topic of Pokemon. So after reflecting over this, I realized that it goes a little bit deeper. So what I've talked about mainly in this episode is more interest-based learning, which is adapting the curriculum to the interests of the student. But on-demand learning is more so if the student has a really, really urgent need to learn something, that's when they'll learn it. So say, for example, the student really wants to know about evolution, then that would be on-demand learning. But if you're trying to feed something like biology through Pokemon when the student doesn't want it, then that would be interest-based based learning more so. Uh, it gets a bit convoluted, but whatever. I think Anna would argue that on-demand learning, still using the example of Pokemon, let's say, if the student identifies a problem in that game, so say if there's a glitch or there's something that they think can be improved, the teacher would then say, well, what can be improved? What would you do differently? And that on-demand learning might be something like 
learning to code, like learning to do game design or game theory or whatever it is to try and find a solution to their problem because that is for sure on-demand learning. So I'm also trying to get my head around the differences between the two, but I think the second one is definitely more like it. There are so many things that students are interested in that they're doing on the side of school. So we, we do talk a lot about how passion or passion projects are put to the side and then school is where you learn other stuff. And that creates a very large misconception that your passion and school are different things, which I think is super dangerous as well. So if we were to combine it together so that you could focus on this on-demand learning with the stuff that you're interested in, how much that would affect your engagement in class and therefore the results that you have and the achievements that you make. So by the way, this is not catered for traditional education systems because obviously the standardized class just cannot accommodate for individual interests. I'm talking more so if there's a micro school, if there's an online school, if there's alternative schools, then there's definitely more flexibility there. And you can actually Google more about that. And and I'm pretty sure Anna Lorena Fabrica also talks about that in her podcasts and content. And the thing with on-demand or just-in-case learning is the fact that you will forget it very, very soon. So the thing is, there's just a lot of content that they always throw at you and a lot of stuff that you will complete in a test that you will do an assignment on, but it means nothing viscerally to you. So of course, it makes sense that your, your brain has a lot of things to focus on. And so of course, that stuff that's not relevant to you anymore just gets forgotten. And again, that is such a waste of effort. It's a lot of, it's a huge waste of effort. And I know that the um, critics, because I invite anything um, that would, you know, sort of argue against what I'm saying right now. And that actually happened with Anna Lorena Fabrica's tweet. So hold on. So someone's uh, called Shavin said, do you think it's better for a curriculum to equip kids to learn things on demand? So that's a really interesting question. So are we saying that just teaching students to learn on demand is how we should run a curriculum to just when when something comes up for them, then we do that? Or should there be a balance between the two of on demand and just in case learning? And I, I do see a lot of validity behind just-in-case learning in the way that, especially with soft skills, so especially with things that or life skills like negotiation, maybe you're not required to negotiate like a really big or a huge um, decision that includes a lot of money or whatever, like a business, but just practicing that skill from a very early age, just in case, will be used in the, oh, okay, okay. This is like five thoughts all at once. It's literally my thought process as we're going on. The thing with negotiation or with life skills and just in case learning is that you can say for certain that you'll need it. That for just in case learning, it only, I can only really validate it if there is close to certainty that you will require it. Something like negotiation, like communication, like empathy. Anything involving people, because you know you're never going to get rid of people. <laughs> you you are a person, so chances are you're going to use that skill. 
Okay, so in hindsight, actually, nah, I take that back. Because life skills like communication, like negotiation, like creativity and adaptivity, they're all on-demand learning. They're all on-demand skills that you're using all the time. So I'll backtrack, I will say that this counts as on-demand learning. For things like uh, more, more theoretical concepts, just in case learning becomes a bit more dangerous because of the fact that that just-in-case learning can also turn students off from learning in general. And that is, to me, the biggest danger of all, is to make them associate learning with something that they have to do or that they're bored of doing. And that's, I think, what Anna is also talking about in terms of just-in-case learning makes it boring, makes this seem like a chore so that because a student can't apply whatever they're learning to their life. And so first it becomes forgotten knowledge. It also triggers, oh, well, turns them off from school and they just don't have much autonomy in what they learn and they can't really choose what they learn either. And I think another critique, I guess, of not pursuing just-in-case learning and instead on-demand learning is that you might miss out on certain concepts. So if I were to do um, on-demand learning, I might not actually pursue that mathematical area. And so doesn't that mean that maybe you'll lose out in the future and that you won't really be maths capable? A lot of that is genuine concern and um, valid concern. And I completely agree with the fact that, yes, if you were to pursue one area that you might forget to even approach another, The thing, though, is that we are all capable of learning whenever. Even as children, even as adults, there is no, you know, children might be able to pick it up easier, but that's also because they're not afraid of failing. That's another topic. I'm talking about like 10 things now. So adults are just as capable of learning a concept as much as a child is. And to say that, you know, we're, we're not giving ourselves a chance to really broaden our horizons and that how that really um, disadvantages us in the future is also assuming that you cannot just do a crash course and learn what someone learned in two years of schooling into, say, four weeks. And that has happened, especially with people who are homeschooling, with people who are learning at their own pace. It's actually very common, and I've talked to Blake Bowles about this um, in in our interview on Ready to Redo, where so many people have caught up and have not required those two or two terms and instead condensed into a few weeks. And that is possible. Uh, And Blake Bowles, I remember, also talked about how this girl really um, was interested in Vikings and how because she had the freedom to do interest-led learning, so on-demand learning, she was so invested in Vikings that she was, you know, researching so much about it that she had the freedom to also connect with a lecturer to who was teaching Viking stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure what the subject would have been called, but was teaching that stuff. And so she managed to sit in on it. And sure, she's specializing in Vikings, but that doesn't detract from the fact that she can learn maths at any point, that she can learn about anything because there are um, – there, there are resources like Khan Academy now, like Coursera, like um, just courses that they post onto YouTube, just so many SciShow as well. There's so many resources now that that 
concern is less of or less severe than it once used to be. So in the past, you had books and a lot of them, and it was just it was harder to actually access material on demand. But now that just-in-case learning will convert into on-demand learning when you actually need it, that concept actually I just said in my head but I'd, or said out loud, but it was in my head, and I'm not sure if that made sense. If it doesn't, I'll just edit it out. <laughs> to be honest, I think it does make sense. So essentially, if I'm going to paraphrase, theory right now is just so accessible that you're not disadvantaged if you do on-demand learning, as opposed to before when you just have to look through so many encyclopedias and it just wasn't accessible, the internet didn't exist, and it was really hard to find information, so it was actually more beneficial for you at that time to have just-in-case learning, because when are you going to have a teacher to sit you down and teach you everything like that? So basically, to sum up, on-demand learning right now in the current day has honestly never been easier. But going back to just-in-case learning and on-demand learning, I have to say that I agree with Anna in this instance, in this point about how it is pretty much a waste to do just-in-case learning, um, especially when theory is so prevalent right now and so accessible. And just some examples of how or, or what could happen when you do on-demand learning. For example, TikTok is a huge thing right now. Maybe someone has seen a video on there about tiny houses and building tiny houses. And so that's already including a lot of things. That includes measurements. That includes sourcing the material. That includes um, a lot of design, architecture, all of that. And so if you were to really use that concept and break it down into the fundamentals of measurement of, you know, including maths, including geography, in terms of where would you put this tiny house? Would it, would the soil be enough? I'm literally, again, making this up, but I can imagine how that would happen and how that would engage the student where we're blending different subjects or different sectors into one and really making it a practical learning experience and an on-demand learning experience instead of forcing them to learn about concepts individually and also concepts that they just can't remember, usually in the form of a short answer question or a, a multiple choice where it's just so hard to see the relevance and to be motivated to do it. And also, I wrote down the even just analyzing the algorithm of TikTok, how the computers and how technology is able to use someone's data to then create a great learning or a great social media experience for them. That is also something and that data computing can also, you know, relies on things like maths, I believe, or, or technological stuff. <laughs> I, I did a intro to computing class in uni first year and I, I dropped out. Is it obvious? <laughs> and and yeah, so that's all I really wanted to talk about today. Uh, I didn't really plan this episode in advance and it, it shows. <laughs> it really shows. But I just wanted to get it out there. We'll go into things in more detail about, especially about memory, because I am actually super fascinated about it. And yeah, I will see you next time. Bye. Bye.